Hello, and welcome to another episode of St. Pete's on Repeat, the online sermon archive of St. Peter Lutheran Church in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. This sermon was preached on November 8th, 2020, for the last Judgment Sunday, um, and it's focusing on Psalm 90. During the season of end times, we're focusing on special psalms. This one is Psalm 90. We'll read those verses throughout the sermon. The title for this sermon is Three Tips for Surviving the Apocalypse. Before my grandmother passed away, she knew the end was near, and she began to get her affairs in order. Now, she was prepared. Before Grandpa died, they had hired a lawyer to draft a will for them. But even a will doesn't list absolutely everything. It covered the bank accounts, the house in Detroit, the cabin up north, but it didn't cover the, the painting hanging over the mantle or the china cabinet in the entryway. So what gra Grandma did was grab a, a pad of post-it notes and she started writing names on them. She'd write Karen on one and put it on the painting. She'd write Noreen on another one and put it on the, the power-lifting recliner. She'd put Brenda on another post-it note and, and put that on the backside of the, the china cabinet. Grandma knew that her end was near, and she wanted to prepare for it. The question is, how should you prepare to face your maker? Moses has three tips for us. They all come from our psalm for the day, Psalm 90. It may not be marking the stuff in your house with post-it notes to make sure it goes to the right person when you die, but you can write these three things down on post-it notes and put them around your house as a useful reminder to you every day. To find out the first way that you can prepare for the end, I want to read the first six verses of Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep away people in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it's dry and withered. From the first verse, Moses makes a contrast. God is eternal. We are mortal. God was there before the creation of the world. He's the one who brought everything that you see into existence. He birthed the mountains and brought forth the whole world. Everything that exists has been made by God, which means that God makes the rules. He's the one who invented gravity. He's the one who orders the seasons and sets the stars in the sky. God is eternal but we are not. We are mortal. We die. And Moses tells us why. He says to God, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. The God who gives life 
is also the one to take it. And the harsh reality is that there is only one cause of death in this world. It's not COVID or any of its comorbidities. It's not COPD, coronaries, cancer, or car accidents. The only cause of death is sin. There would be no death if there were no sin. That's why Moses says, you turn people back to dust. It's a reference to something else that Moses wrote back in Genesis chapter 3. As he was recording the fall into sin in the Garden of Eden, he, he, he said, he's, he's recording the words of God here. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, and this is the important part, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. When Adam and Eve first disobeyed a direct command from God, when they first sinned, they brought death into the world. Death was never part of God's plan for his perfect creation, but as Paul says to the Romans, sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Your parents may not have put a post-it note on it when they passed it down to you, but you inherited a sinful nature from them, this innate desire to do what is wrong. They passed down this it, they, they pass down the sinful nature to you just as their parents did for them and, and their parents for them all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And because of sin, we all share a common fate. We all die. We're all mortal. So if we are small and mortal and God is infinite and eternal, there's a warning in these words to steer clear of presuming that we know better than God. Instead, Moses tells us to let God be God. That's post-it note number one. Let God be God. Let him be in control. Let him be the judge of right and wrong. And this is especially important when we read what Moses has to say next. Picking up in verse 7 of, of Psalm 90, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I told you before that there is only one cause of death in this world. It's sin. What I didn't tell you is how sin makes God feel. Moses tells us here. He refers to God's anger, his indignation, his wrath. 
and we probably don't talk about it enough, how absolutely terrifying God's anger over sin is. There is a real place called hell, and it's not the butt of a joke or a four-letter word you say when you're frustrated. It's eternal suffering, the lake of burning fire, the second death, eternal punishment, everlasting destruction, being shut out from the presence of God, gloomy dungeons with insatiable worms that eat you from the inside out, and unquenchable fire that can never be put out. That's what's waiting for sinners after we die, and that's why Moses prays the way he does. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Life is short. The afterlife is forever. What we do with the time we have is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. And Jesus talks about this exact thing. He says, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, if, if you spend 70 or 80 years in politics, you could land a position that would allow you to change the course of a nation. If you spend 70 or 80 years practicing medicine, you could save hundreds or thousands of lives. If you spend 70 or 80 years championing environmentalism, you could change the face of the planet for generations to come. But if you neglect your soul and spend all your time on earth, all your energy and effort chasing after only earthly things, you waste your life and you jeopardize your eternity. Not even the mountains will last forever, but the eternal God who made them will. And if you are not right with God when you die, then your soul will suffer forever in hell. That's why Moses prays the way he does. Life is short. Time is precious. What we do with our time matters, so use it wisely. Learn to count your days, Moses says. That's post-it note number two. Learn to count your days. When it comes to our eternal life, wisdom is important. But mercy is what's imperative. While Moses does pray for wisdom, he doesn't rely on it. What he does rely on is God to relent. And here we pick up the rest of Psalm 90. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, it's easy to overlook in this section of Scripture, but there's one word that turns this whole psalm around. It's only four letters, but it makes a world of difference. It's the Lord. 
all capital. That's the name God uses to remind us of his free and faithful love. It's God's covenant name. The name God would sign on the dotted line of a contract. It's a testament to God's commitment to keep his promises. So while God is the one who gives and takes life, While God is the one who condemned Adam and Eve and all their descendants to mortality and death for our sin, God is also the one who promised to send a Savior from sin. And because he is the covenant God, the Lord, he kept that promise. He sent us Jesus. God did relent which is just another way to say that God had mercy on us. See, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, he acts according to his unfailing love. He sent Jesus, the son he loved, to be the sacrificial lamb for sinners like us, to endure for us God's anger, indignation, and wrath for our sin. He gave us Jesus to be our Savior from sin and death and hell. So that, because of Jesus' sacrifice for you, you don't have to fear the fires of hell. You get to live in the favor of God forever. Forgive me if if I scared you earlier with the description of hell. Let me make it up to you by using some of the descriptions of the heaven that Jesus won for you that we find in Scripture. It's the Father's house where there's a room with your name on it. Heaven is the unshakable city of God where you will be free from fear and danger. It's a place where people from every tribe and nation and language, this innumerable group of people will be gathered in praise to our God. It's, It's a place of peace and joy where there will be no more weeping or mourning or crying or pain. Heaven is the wedding feast of the Lamb. It has pearly gates and streets of gold. It has the tree of life. But best of all, Heaven is the place where you will live with God forever because of the Lord's compassion and love and grace for you in Christ Jesus, your Savior. And that's post-it number three. Lean on God's grace. The end is near, but you don't have to fear. You are living in the real the relenting compassion and unfailing love of God in Jesus, your Savior. Life is short. Time is precious. You should use it wisely as you pursue a better relationship with God. But at the end of the day, or on Judgment Day, whichever comes first, know that God pursued a better relationship with you. So put post-it notes on all the furniture in your house if that helps you prepare for the end. But remember these three tips for surviving the apocalypse. Let God be God. Learn to count your days. And lean on God's grace. Amen.